My name is Mike Hall. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethel. Eric's out today. Um, and lucky for you, I love uncomfortable situations. Um, maybe I just embrace them a little bit, which I know is a fantastic way to uh, get you at ease. And if you're a guest, you probably can go ahead and leave now. Uh, but I do. I, there's something about them that just makes me smile, the, the squirminess that comes with uncomfortable situations uh, humors me. It, maybe that's a little bit of an inside of my sick mind, but that, that's true. There was, uh, just a little bit ago, one of, our, uh, one of our sons had a crush on a girl, and my wife and I are, are we're kind of laying in bed, and he's telling us about it. We're like, well, let's, let's see a picture of her. And so he gives us uh, his phone on Instagram, and so we're flipping through, and uh, there, was a, there was a photo, uh, it was about a year ago, a year past, and she was wearing a swimsuit that seemed a little too revealing uh, for, for what I thought would be appropriate for uh, any of my sons. It probably wasn't, but, you know, it's my kid. And so Heather and I are like, okay, what, what is she wearing here? And uh, my son's like, oh, it, it's fine. And so my wife says, well, let's, let's zoom in on this thing. Uh, <laughs> And of course, as she zooms in, she double clicks it, which notifies her that my son has liked her photo from a year and a half ago in a swimsuit. So he's like, what are you doing? What, 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 what? Stop. Give me my phone back. And so I'm like, no, no, we'll make it okay. Um, we'll all get our phones and we'll all like that photo. And that way, that, that way it'd be like, it's a fun game. And it, he looks, if you could kill somebody with a look, we would be dead, right? At that moment in time. So, and then, just, in fact, last week, now, my kids, as they're, they're getting older, are reversing the trend. Uh, so, in fact, last week, we're driving, and my daughter this time is in the back seat, and her new game is to uh, go to TikTok, which is the source of all infinite wisdom, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, go to TikTok and watch parenting videos with her friends, and, and then judge my wife and I on how well we did as they grew up and talk about it. And for some reason, I felt defensive against what TikTok had to say about my parenting. And it escalates with my daughter, her friends, we're three, four minutes in the conversation. I'm like, I am a gentle parent. And I don't even know what a gentle parent is, but I definitely was not one. This is the flavor. So these kind of uncomfortable situations, I, they amuse me. I, I think they're fun. Well, uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what some folks think might be an uncomfortable conversation. We're going to talk about money. Uh, in fact, some of you saw walking in the church today, they had, we have some new uh, exceedingly abundant things there, and there's some brochures. And I imagine, uh, as some people walked in, you would have thought, maybe something like, ah, I get it. The church is going to ask me for money. That's what churches do. And they're going to use some fancy word, exceedingly abundant, right, in order to try to get into my pocketbook. Maybe that's what you think. Maybe you've been a part of a church in the past where that's been kind of the thing, and you might have some scar tissue over it. Maybe it's been done really well. Maybe it wasn't done well. I don't know, but we're going to talk about money. But before we do that, um, I, well, when we talk about money, it's really not about money. It's about something else. By the way, that is a quote from Dr. Phil. If you knew that, shame on you. But there is some truth that when we talk about money, it, it, it's oftentimes not. In fact, most of the time, it's not about money. And so we're going to talk about money for the next four weeks. But in doing so, I, I want to super much, if that's a word, encourage you to listen and to lean forward. 
if you are someone here in this room that has a boatload of money, this is for you. And if you are someone here who is wondering if the lights are going to stay on in your apartment, this is also for you. If you plan on giving a whole lot of money to the capital campaign, this is for you. And if you plan on giving nothing, this is also for you. That this capital campaign, this exceedingly abundant, this investment campaign that we're doing, it's a good thing for Bethel. In fact, it's a great thing for Bethel. But more so, it's going to be a great thing for us. In fact, it's going to be a real great thing for us. I, I so much believe that, that I really think the next four weeks might be a life-changing four weeks for some people in this room. Because there's something about money that reveals things about our soul and about our heart. And that's actually what we're going to talk about this morning. So, uh, you know, before we jump in to talking about money, I want to do what Paul does. And, and he sets the stage. He, he has to put some things out first that are true and clear. Before we talk about God's abundance and God's resources, he, Paul's like, hey, let's, let's remember who God is. Let's remember who we are in light of that. And so that's where, and I, and I know Peyton read it, but I, I want to go through it again and walk through Ephesians chapter 3, for verses 14 through 21. So if you have scriptures or Bible, feel free to, to open it up. If not, uh, we're going to put it on the screen and you can trust that it's true. That it's, I don't know. Yeah. We say bring your Bible just so you can write notes in there and stuff. Ephesians chapter 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the first part of this, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul wants us to understand our position with God. That we bow our knees before the Father. Some denominations do this better than us. The Catholics, uh, if you've been to a Catholic church, you've got uh, the pews, and they actually have kneelers that two times during the service that you kneel on the kneelers. I grew up Catholic. I knew that if you sat in the front, uh, it was a double-edged sword. The priest was right there close to you, but no one sat there, so the kneelers were cushionier. Um, I know I missed the point. But that the Catholic church... Charismatics, they sometimes have it well as well. They're a little bit more flamboyant about their kneeling, right? They kind of run up to the front and, and wave their arms and all of that stuff. But there's a kneeling posture oftentimes in their service. At the Bible Church, we don't often, if ever, kneel in a, in a service time when we all meet together. That's okay. This is not a prescription. But it is a, a position and a spirit of how we view God. And I think that's something we need to be careful of as a non-denominational Bible church, that we continue to keep God in a reverent posture, that we do kneel before them, before him, if not, uh, if not actually, but 
figuratively and in our spirit and in our heart to keep God in that posture. Scripture moves on from, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That we want to have an understanding of God's dominion. That if something exists, God named it. There's something about naming something that gives an ownership or an elevation over that. It's why oftentimes in uh, sports, the coach will nickname the kid and give him the name. That, the, that there's a bit of power over them, not necessarily in a negative way, but there's a, hey, I have ownership with parents and they name their kid. It's why in Genesis, this is where uh, God said, hey, Adam, name the animals, have dominion over them, put a name over them, that God has named everything we see and that there's a sense of saying he has dominion over them. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Is it understanding that God lives within you? You know, you could not be closer to God than you are right now. That he actually lives within you. There was a man from the 1500s, an old cook who was a monk named Brother Lawrence. He has a, a little book, which is the only kind I like reading, little ones. Uh, it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And, and that this, this little book is about him understanding and grasping the concept that the God of the universe lives within him. And just to simply practice his presence, to practice the art of knowing that God lives within me. Some of you might experience this with maybe your spouse or maybe your parents, that when you're just sitting with them being, not learning anything new about them, not even having a conversation with your words, but just sitting in their presence, that there can become intimacy there and a closeness there, that, that we get to do that with the God of the universe, that we get to practice his presence, that he lives within us. And then, as Paul talks about an understanding of what God thinks of you. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God has a love for us that actually does not make sense. That it is beyond our knowledge. If you thought you could do a pretty good job of articulating God's love, that means you don't have it. You don't, you don't get it. It's, it surpasses that. His love for you is beyond what you can, what you can even think. I mean, what, what does it even look like? How, how do you describe that? I mean, uh, emotionally, that there might be this abundance, this overwhelmingness, that, that maybe it, it makes you want to cry, it makes you want to laugh. Not that you should all be laughing and crying all the time, but there's a, a sense of that, a, uh, that his fullness is so big that you don't even know what to do with it. What would it be like physically to be overwhelmed with his goodness, that his burden actually is light, that his yoke actually is easy, that you actually could put your cares and anxieties on him and you would be free, that you would be light, 
that physically if we, if we got that God of the universe loved us as much as he was high and as wide and, as, and we were full of this, there could be a lightness about it. Like, yeah, this is how life was meant to be lived. And what about even intellectually? That you know who you are. That you know that you are an heir of the throne. That you are defined who you are only by that. Not by the great things you've done. Not defined by the mistakes you've made. Not to define where you came from. Not to define what's even been done to you. That you are defined by being God's son and God's daughter, and that's it. What if you knew that? So it's from this place, from understanding who God is, from understanding uh, his dominion, from understanding what he thinks about us, that's when we can start moving and talking about our God's exceedingly abundance and our place in that. He says that in verse 20, Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or all we think according to the power within us. Okay, there's two things here about verse 20. That God is able to do exceedingly abundant more than we ask or think. There's some translations that says more than we can imagine. So I'm going to ask that we do just a little exercise here. And you're not going to have to raise your hand or say anything. I'll give you a heads up so you can actually go through this. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. That this is God can do more than we can imagine. He, here's what I want you to do is right now for a second, and, and really do this. Bethel Church downtown, what do you imagine God could do with this church in this place around Tyler? Take a moment. Imagine something. Kind of nod your head if you've got something. Thank you for the three of you. <laughs> you got something in your head, okay? Now, take that thing you've got. And up the stakes a little bit. Uh, imagine a little more than that. Go, okay, that was, that was a good thing. That was, that was a good imagination of things that God could do here. What, what else could he do? What would be more than that? Got it? Okay, do it one more time. One more. What, what could you imagine God does here? It, now, right now, you, you probably are in the state of ridiculousness. And that's okay. That thing that you can imagine, God can do way more than that. That, that he, he can do more than we can imagine. I can imagine a lot of things. I, in fact, to be honest, when I start imagining what God can do, I, my faith isn't that great. I hedge my bets. God could do that. No, he, he can do that. He can do way more than that. More than we can imagine. That, that's, he, he loves us more than our, our brains can, can know. And he loves us more than we can imagine. That this is our God. When we talk about this exceedingly abundance, when we talk about the bigness of who he is, that, that we need to think outside of the perimeters of who we are. That's awesome. I, we're talking about Bethel. You know, 40 years ago when Bethel started, what they imagined Bethel would do, they imagined that they would be able to pay a pastor most months of the year. They, they imagined that they would probably meet together every Sunday. They imagined that they maybe someday would have a youth group, and they could probably call it like one of those real cool one-word names, like vertical or 1A, I don't know. They probably didn't imagine that part. <laughs> they imagined having a church. You know what they didn't imagine? 
They didn't imagine that we would have five campuses in East Texas. They didn't imagine that we'd have over a thousand people every Sunday across these five campuses coming and worshiping together. They didn't imagine that we would have missionary partnerships in 30 different countries across the world. They didn't imagine that 150 Bethel members will have gone on short-term mission trips. They didn't imagine that even last month, over 25,000 people walked through the doors of this building to get a cup of coffee and have eye contact with a barista who's praying for them and who loves them. They, they didn't imagine any of that. That wasn't even on their radar screen. That was 40 years ago. And now we get to go, what, God, do we get to imagine you're going to do at Bethel downtown? I don't know. I know it's beyond what I can think is what he is capable of doing. God wants us to do something, and he invites us to it. The other part of verse 20, I want us to remember is that God is the one doing it. It's according to the power at work within us. It's not according to ourselves. We don't have to come together and go, come on, let's go. Open up your pocketbook, what you got? No. God doesn't need us. Let's remember, the, the church doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our money. Yes, we're gonna, if we're going to buy the building over there, we need some money, but the church will go on if we don't. If we're going to do reach some of the new ministry programs, it takes some money to do that, but God doesn't need us. He's inviting us to get to be a part of something for our sake. I, I mean, this is where we start to talk about maybe the uncomfortable, but in context, it's really not that uncomfortable. In fact, it's, it's, really, it's really good because... Uh, Here's the thing, money, it's sort of a life hack to spiritual sanctification. Uh, let me unpack that. Uh, when it comes to money, it reveals something so, uh, so quick. It reveals something about what we believe. It reveals something about what we really believe. It unearths uh, lies oftentimes. I, I mean, even in context, like, we don't talk about money with each other, right? It's, it's like a private conversation. It would be awkward. If, hey, Ramey, how much did you make last year? Uh, that would be weird, right? It's a, it's a dark kind of, it's a secret thing. Where else in our life do we keep things secret? Not really healthy places typically, but we're in a culture and a place where our finances, we hold tightly and we don't talk about it with anybody. I, I'm not asking everyone right now to open up your checkbook and talk about how much you make. But I am saying that I believe that that is a, a place where our enemy has kind of got us. That when we keep it that secret and that close to us, there's a lot of room for things to hide. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why we probably keep it private, right? There's a vulnerability there. And there's lies that we believe in there. If to come up to someone and say, hey, how much money do you make? And they go, oh, I make $40,000 a year. Somebody says, ah, I make $55,000 a year. Does that mean the person who's $55,000 is more valuable? Of course we know not. But what, what's the feeling about that? What's the feeling of why you don't share with other people how much money you make or don't make? Is there a, is there a worth tied to that in some way? Is there a value tied to it? What, what about showing what you spend your money on? Why is that not open? Because maybe you actually get to see where you value things. Maybe, maybe you believe in, in lies of worth. Maybe I, you get what I'm saying. It's private because there's vulnerability. 
and how we spend our money, it also exposes what we really believe. Yeah, Christ says, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And this is easy. It makes sense. Um, there was a, a company called VidAngel. You, you might have heard of it. They had this uh, filtering software where you could filter out. You could watch a movie, and you could say, okay, I don't want, you know, uh, I, I don't want violence, but I don't want nudity, and I want these cuss words, but not these cuss words, or whatever. You, you could filter it, and it would, it would then play the movie back in that filter. Uh, they even had a Jar Jar Binks filter, which I thought was pretty awesome for Star Wars. You didn't have to watch any scenes from him. Uh, so it was this, it was this great uh, software, and then they had this uh, initial public offering you could, you could invest in. I'm like, oh, I'm totally in. This is the greatest thing. So I, uh, not a lot of money, put a little money in it and was investing it, and I was super excited about VidAngel. I was talking about VidAngel. I was getting their updates. Uh, then I was there when they, then Disney sued them, and then they lost, and it was not very awesome, but was totally into this thing. Probably for about a year, well, I ended up selling the stock, and about right after I sold the stock, didn't care that much about VidAngel anymore. I unsubscribed to their emails. It's like, yeah, whatever, whatever they do, because my money wasn't there. Wherever you put your money, that's where you get excited. If you want to get excited about a, a missionary, give them money. You'll get more excited about it. You want to get excited about your church? Put your money there. You'll get more excited about it. If you want to get more excited about your house, put your money in your house. You'll get more excited about it. Wherever you put your money, your heart's going to follow. That's what Jesus says. It's clearly true. We just want to know and be reminded that God owns everything. Remember, he has dominion over everything, and we get to steward it. He lets us be a part. He invites us to something. God has all the money in the world, and we get to, we get to steward it for him. He is rich. I, again, I was with my son coming out of Home Depot when he was a little kid, and they had a the little candy aisle there, and he asked for some M&Ms. I'm sure I bought him a packet of M&Ms. Hand it to him, and we're walking out, and he opens it up and starts eating them. I'm like, Man, they look good. And I go, hey, can I have one? And he goes, No. I just, I just gave you those M&Ms. Can, can I have one? No, nah, they're mine. I'm like, what he doesn't realize is if I wanted to, I could buy a semi-truck full of M&Ms and back them up to our house. There's more M&Ms that he could have that he could ever want. But he's holding on to his real tight. Uh, there's a sense of that. God has it all. He has exceedingly abundant. But he allows us to give. Remember that where we live even now is not our home. That we have a home that God is preparing for us somewhere else. And so where we invest our money, do we want to spend time fixing up a rent house? No. That we want to invest in what's God. But, but here's, I guess, here's the most important thing. That if you hear anything when it comes to money, and, and again, in the next three weeks, we're going to, and we'll even talk some specifics here right now. But this is what I think the life-changing thing is. At least it is for me. Is that money really is a window to your heart. It reveals so much. Uh, and I'll tell you a, a live story for me. Um, this is about a, a little over a decade ago. Um, and, and I don't know, some of you know this. So I'm on part-time staff at Bethel. Uh, but I'm, I start 
companies as kind of an entrepreneur um, as well. And so I get them going, and then I sell them, and then kind of do that again. And, and I was um, I was on a winning streak. I was doing really well, and felt really good about myself. In fact, I, I would probably give myself a title, Captain Awesome, is what I would have said. <laughs> and doing really well. And then there was a, another company, and I uh, I bought it, and uh, had all kinds of plans, and did the P and Ls, and the, got the balance sheet, and knew how we were going to grow this thing and sell this thing. And it, it didn't work out. It wasn't, it wasn't working. It's like, this is weird. I think I understand the customer and what's going on. Uh, let me change some marketing things, and, and that'll, that'll turn this thing around. So I changed the marketing strategies, and it got a little bit worse. Like, this is nice. I need to change my product and my inventory. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invest a whole lot more money into this thing. This, this is going to work. And it got worse. And it got worse. And I kept investing good money after bad, and it was becoming a disaster. And I uh, have a dear friend who's a friend today named Tiger, uh, which is a cool name. But, uh, and we're meeting, and I said, hey, can you talk to me about this? He's like, yeah. So we're having chips and hot sauce and, uh, at a restaurant. I'm like, hey, here's... Here, here's the PL, here's my plan, here's the strategy, here's what I think about the customer, here's what I think the customer finds valuable, and so here's how we're meeting that need. And he listened and listened and listened. And then he goes, What does it mean if you fail? And my lips started quivering, and I wept because he saw the idol. I had to be Captain Awesome. I can't fail because that means something about me. That means that I'm a failure. That means that, that I'm no good. That means that that one thing my dad said one time when he was mad at me was probably true. That's what that means. I can't fail. And he sat and just let me weep and come to what was true. That money... It wasn't about money. The business wasn't about the business. It wasn't about inventory and P&L. That God loved me so much that he allowed that business to fail. He said, no, that's an idol that you need to die from. And dying sometimes hurts. But it was so good. It was so right. I mean, so here's the deal. We are entering into a capital campaign, and yes, we're trying to raise $6 million. And yes, we're going to have commitment cards, and we're going to be able to make two years commitment, and we're going to do all of those things that I think will be great for our church. I think it will allow us uh, and give us some opportunities to do ministry that we're not doing now. I think 40 years from now, there's going to be things that will happen that we did not imagine. I think all those things are true, and I'm excited about it. But more so what I'm excited is what God's going to do in us and how he's going to reveal things to us we have idols how he's going to give us an opportunity to look at where we spend our money and go that is where my heart is and that is what I'm chasing after he's going to give us an opportunity uh, to expose lies and also to give each other high fives on where things are true and good I, again it's a I believe that money is a shortcut and a life hack to spiritual sanctification. And as a church, for the next four weeks, we get to do that together. That's great and rich 
That's what I'm excited for. So what now? Here's what I'd ask us to do is kind of an offense and a, a defense. On offense this week, I really want you to pray. I want you to look at how much money you make. I want to look at how you spend your money. And I want you to go, Lord, is this what you have for me? Is this right? I, 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 want, you to give, I want you to give money. I, if not to the capital campaign, to the investment campaign that we're doing here, give it somewhere else. Find an organization, a ministry organization. Find something to go, this is what I want to get passionate about, and give your money there. I, I really, again, yes, we're trying to raise six million bucks. God, God's got this. He's got Bethel Church. I fully believe that. Um, if this is where you're to give, then give. Give lots. If this is not, give somewhere else and give lots there. Give to things of eternal value. But right now, I want you to pray through that. Take the next couple of weeks and look at your real numbers and go, Lord, what do you have for us? Be bold. And I'm not saying be bold in giving. Be bold in having the courage to look at that. Because again, sometimes as we keep money private, if we actually believe it means something more than it does about us, that sometimes we're even scared to have the conversation with ourselves or with our spouse. So be bold there and have that conversation. If you go, gosh, I hate having that conversation with ourselves. It always ends in a fight. That probably reveals something else. It's not about money. Ask yourself, ask the Lord, what does it reveal about you? Defensively, I ask that you pray against division, against the enemy who would love for this kind of thing to fracture Bethel. We all probably know of, or a lot of us know of stories of churches that do capital campaigns, investment campaigns, and things go poorly. Um, because money issues are often not about money, right? So I'd ask you to pray against that. Pray that there would be unity. And I would ask you defensively that if you see something or hear something that doesn't smell like unity, that you'd step into that and go, hey, let's expose what's true. Would you do that with me? At the end of the day, I am super excited about being a part of Bethel downtown. I'm super excited about what God is going to do in this community down here and with this church. And mostly, I'm fired up about what God is going to do with us when it comes to how we think about money and how we think about God. Would you pray with me? Lord, you don't need us, you don't need our stuff. You don't need your money. You've got it all. But you've structured this world in a way that we get to be a part of it. So thanks. I pray that over this next month, that as we talk about money, that it would reveal things in our heart. That it would reveal lies that we would get to repent of. That it would reveal truth about you that we would get to celebrate that you would fill our hearts with your spirit, that we would, although we can't get it, that we would get it more. We ask this in Christ's name we pray. Amen.